Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ Community Radio Station, Joy 94.9. Hi, I'm John Oliver, member number one. You're listening to Joy 94.9. Hello and welcome to Been There, Done That on Joy 94.9 with Chris, Gordon and Phil. And it's lovely to have you at the other end listening to us, dear listener. We should get their name. (laughs) We'll just pause for a moment now. Everybody say your name. We know one, Nina. Nina, yes. Yes, Nina sent us a wonderful little bit of message, didn't she? She has. She has indeed. Thank you, Nina. That was gorgeous. And we heard at the beginning of the show from John Oliver, member number one. Mm -hmm. And we'd like to say... For him, happy birthday on the 12th of April. On the 12th of never, yes. And it's probably his 22nd birthday by now. Yeah, probably. so how many times around? I'm not sure. No, well, <laughs> I think he's 39 and quite a few months old. <laughs> but it's a significant birthday. Oh, is it one of those big ones? It's a big, big one, yes. How big? Oh, Bigger than me? Well, no, oh, of course good. not. Okay. He's a young fellow, but it still ends in a zero. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to confess his age for no, him. No, we won't tell him. John can do that himself. Yes, that's true, too. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's been a momentous week. Oh, wasn't the weather shocking on the weekend? Oh, it was an <laughs> yes, yes. It was wonderful. It was weather. It was weather. Something yeah. was happening. Yes. Well, it was persisting with rain. Yes. I thought it was pretty heavy myself. <laughs> <laughs> and what about your little woofer? Was he able to go out? We did get wet once. Yes. But he had to do his business, yes. so he didn't mind getting wet. Oh, that's all right then, yeah. And uh, we, uh, when we were coming to work on Sunday morning, we're coming walking down Burke Street, Sungate and I and there was this almighty bolt of lightning bang right in the middle of the street and then the thunder and we were just like oh my god you know quarter past six in the morning that's right it was a huge one it was right over the city here it was and we were just sort of trembling in our shoes that was the church trying to get rid of you (laughs) that's probably right (laughs) there's two of them there's two of them we'll get rid of them yeah yes now we've got a full show we're going to be talking a little later with rosemary who has written a book, which is not a huge book. It's, it's called a novella. And why is it called a novella? Because it's very easy, very shortly written, and you can put sort of put it in your pocket and take it with you. It's not a great big thick book, yeah. And, and of course, that was how Mr. Penguin got his business up and running, because he printed a lot of books in pocket Pocket book, size. Mm. Pocket size. Mm. Because before that, they were big heavy volumes with cloth covers and gold on the, the edge. Gold blocking they mm-hmm, call it, don't they, mm-hmm, on the edge mm-hmm. of the pages. Do tuxedos have pockets? I don't know, but there's, there's this junction. But penguins wear tuxedos. Oh, yeah. I wonder where they put the books. Oh, well, they're small enough to go in their little pouch in front of them. Oh. Because... Penguins are like kangaroos. They were talking... No, no, there's <laughs> a big flap of skin from their tummy which over... F- f- 
flows onto their feet well, and the little leg. There was, yeah. there was one man, one chap who's been on the comedy show was talking about the gay penguins in Scotland. Yes. And they tried to, they tried to hatch a rock. <laughs> Because they were, they they gave them a rock to hatch because they they were a bit jealous of the females sort of having the egg underneath them, and then they found one that had Wait, two eggs. So don't took, laugh at them. Give them points for effort. Yes, but they took the rock out and put the egg there for them to do it to to hatch it. Yes, so they're now they're proud gay parents. And the rocks all alone. <laughs> so as well as uh, Rosemary t- talking about her book, we'll discuss literature and. In lots of guises, I think we will... Yes, we'll get um, that, that. The, the, the translation of word into various forms and the expression of concepts in other than the written word. Mm-hmm. You didn't know we were going to do that, did you, Gordon? Oh, Philip? look, you lost me at We'll Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good word. Well, you're, you're, <laughs> just gonna, you're just going to have to listen because first thing we'll talk about today is uh, remember Gilbert Baker, the originator of the rainbow flag. Yes, he actually passed away. On the 30th March. of yeah, March, yeah. age 65. Yeah. 65 seems to be a, a fairly dangerous age to be around. It's, you know, when you used to be able to retire out and get your pension. And yeah. uh, Well, if he had a superannuation, he wouldn't have got anything much out of that. I don't think they have superannuation in America, do they? No. But the but when he first made the flag, he, he had pink stripes down the... There was pink on top and bottom or side by side, whichever way you're flying the yeah. flag. And they found that the pink was too expensive to make, so he cut the pink out, and then he also cut out the indigo. The reason behind the rainbow flag is that they were going out to protest over Harvey Milk's assassination. That's right. And the symbol used by the local gay community at the time was the pink triangle. And Gilbert basically said, well, that's a little bit inappropriate because that's how the Nazis identified the gays and the Jews. Mm-hmm, that's right, yeah. And he didn't really want that. Hmm. And they said, we'll come up with something better, and he that's, did. He did the rainbow flag. But yeah. then just recently there's been some pastor in America who's demanded that we give the rainbow back to God. Oh. Because it's for for everybody, but and then I say, well, aren't we everybody? Yes, we are included in the everybody. Precisely. And God makes His own rainbows. That's right, yeah. and they're temporary. This is a permanent statement. And also, yeah. there's only six colours in our rainbow instead of the seven, which is in the normal rainbow. So tell that pastor to go jump. Can you imagine over a, a rainbow? A yeah. crazy gay-hating American pastor. Where do you get these ideas from? I don't know. <laughs> But anyhow, but uh, but it is, isn't it interesting that that particular symbol created in the 1970s is now recognised worldwide as it's flown our, in every country. It's our symbol. Yep. Well, people mightn't realise it's our symbol, and we don't say it says exclusively ours. No. But when you look at someone's luggage and it's held together with the rainbow belt, you think, oh, I wonder if they are making a statement that I'm a friend of Dorothy's. Could be, could be. But actually, the colours of the rainbow represent something. Every colour means something, and I have forgotten the six things. One's health, one's happiness and, and inclusiveness and this sort of thing. Yeah. And isn't it interesting, too, that the uh, bear community and some of the other communities have a small little top corner 
corner of the flag with their distinctive symbol on mm. top of mm. or as part of the rainbow. When Gilbert Baker did the huge flag, it was a, it was a huge flag. It took him ages to make because it was metres and metres and metres long and it was almost street length. It was that, so that was big. for the March on Washington. That's right, yeah, yeah. And they were making a rather loud statement that we're here. Yeah, but that's because Ronald Reagan was not acknowledging the fact that there was a, a, an epidemic going on as well. Ronald Reagan had a few issues. Hmm. The first uh, official appearance of the flag outside San Francisco was at the Gay Rights March on Washington on the 14th of October 1979 and Gilbert Baker actually unfurled the first rainbow flag earlier on the 25th of June 78. So it's been around a while coming up for 40 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Brilliant. Mm. Uh, But yes, so thank you Gilbert Baker. In some ways uh, someone would have had to create a symbol that we all accepted the, but i think the the, the, the concept of the rainbow being an arch under which we can all stand is is wonderful the fact that it's gone worldwide is a, a testament to the brilliance of the idea and it didn't really need the words no it doesn't need a word doesn't need to say anything so that's it's a real just, interpretation that's it, you, know, there. you see a rainbow flag stuck up somewhere you know that they're gay friendly you know that's quite a statement stuck up somewhere yeah like on top <laughs> on top on top of a building oh. or something you know oh you had me worried for a moment <laughs> i could see the shock on chris's face <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to do that? nothing for the colors <laughs> might have been, yeah, but, uh, but someone it, who has been standing <laughs> under the rainbow for many a long year although he probably didn't realize it and has just just said to the world, oh, look, that's rainbow is for me, is Barry Manilow, 73 years old. He confirms he's gay. And he feared disappointing his female fans by if he came out earlier. But, you know. But they all said, no, it's fine. Good on you. Well, <laughs> when he did come out, when he did come, become public. And you know. basically they said, what are you telling us? Tell us something new. We knew if you didn't. Well, he was out basically to all his friends, yeah. all his all his family and everybody. Everybody knew about him and his partner who had been with him for 40 years since 1978. That's 40 years next year. But um, so it was never a, a thing for the, his immediate um, friends and family and all the rest of it. But the it rest just of us, if we didn't know it, we assumed it. Well, this is right. We so did. it was really yeah. not much of an announcement. And and like he did play with Bette Midler in the in the um, saunas uh, when she did a show there. And play won, piano. Play in piano the, in the in the gay saunas. Yeah, <laughs> he was a pianist. A pianist. Yes, <laughs> you insist on saying pianist. Right? I, I like the word pianist. <laughs> well, I like to tickle the ivories. <laughs> oh, they're not ivory. <laughs> Well, we've just got to celebrate in 22 seconds the fact that here's one of the songs that's also gone around the world and well known as the Barry Manilow song at the Copacabana, the beach in Brazil with all the wow bodies here on Joy. Her name was Lola, she was a showgirl with yellow feathers in her hair and her dress got down her Joy 94.9. You're with Chris Gordon and Phil. Been there, done that on Joy 94.9. Now, in the studio, we have an author, Rosemary McIndoe. Rosemary has written a novella, The Turak Jackpot, and to tell us a little of why she decided to write this book, welcome to Joy 94.9, Rosemary. Thank you, Gordon. Now, Rosemary, I read the novella and had a feeling they were writing a satirical story. Is that what it was? Yes, it was a satirical sort of metaphor for what it is to be truly wealthy. Mm-hmm. 
and it was based on characters I worked with at Floorsheim Shoe Shop in 2000 who were shop uh, salespeople and it was a fantasy of putting a shop salesperson into a wealthy life in Turak and discovering what it is to be really wealthy. That's one of the questions I was going to ask you. Where did you find out all the name for the shoes? It's just amazing. <laughs> the, 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 the brand names and everything, you've got them all down pat. Well, I, I did a bit of research. Mm-hmm. I remembered from when I was working in, in shoes, and I also just looked them up online and went into shops. I went into Whitner, mm-hmm. uh, shoes in Collins Street, mm-hmm. and had a look there and thought about the characters and what shoes they'd wear and you know, came up with a fantasy. Right, and it is a fantasy because the names of the people that Bert meets during the, the, the <laughs> journey are absolutely unbelievable. You've, you've really, <laughs> really done some work on the names. Like like the, the solicitor's company is Rig All Around <laughs> yeah, and, the, and the stockbroker's uh, firm is Bingo and B- Bango, Bingo and Biggs yeah. uh, and the stockbroker's Leslie Murky. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just thought the names were very, very clever the, of the people that he runs across mm. in his journey from as a Turak prince. Yeah, well, that, that, that's right. I mean, it's just uh, a sort of light-hearted look at people and places and, you know, um, having a laugh at uh, solicitors and stockbrokers and, you know, people with wealth and looking, the character discovers a different sort of wealth within himself. That's exactly right. Yeah, and um, so it's a sort of a satire of Melbourne society. And, but it applies to anywhere in the world. Yes, because he starts very humbly in Paran and finishes up in Turak. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like he moved one suburb, but it was a, <laughs> the difference between Turak and Paran is mm. a very, very big divide. Yes, well, they are quite different suburbs. Mm. I mean, Paran is a real mixture of um, yuppies and uh, alternative people and a lot of gay people. And I lived there after my parents died. I bought a house in Paran and I've lived there for 10 years and uh, had a wonderful time meeting a lot of gay people. Mm-hmm. I worked there for 23 years in Chapel Street, so <laughs> I, uh, right. I know a little bit about Paran as well. But the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the Prince Bert sort of eventually wakes up to himself, doesn't he? Yeah, he sort of has an epiphany when he goes to a conference about becoming a finding your inner dag mm. and um, discovers that, you know, he doesn't really need to be fabulously wealthy to be fabulously happy. That's exactly right. I think that's that's a, that's the the metaphor for the whole book, isn't it? Because you don't have to be fabulously wealthy to be fabulously happy. Yeah, well, that's right. Mm, but yeah. I but I love the love the um, the TV presenter as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, the way he sort of get, got everything mixed around, and he thought, thought Bert was gay and all the rest of it. It's just it's a very clever um, thing about TV presenters as well. Mm, thank you. Yeah, yeah. It, and, and of course he when he comes to realise exactly what's happening. Mm. that's when he realises that he doesn't need to have what he had. And he gives it up. He gives it and up. And he leaves Turak to go back to Paran. Mm, yes, but, and the, but then takes on another job. Again. Yeah, and starts again. Yeah, because yeah. he, he was the super salesman of shoes. Yeah. The super shoe salesman. I was trying to say, trying to get that right. And then he finishes up doing something completely different. Yeah. And, and is totally, totally happy because he realises he can make a lot of people happy. That's right, yeah. He sets up a nightclub mm. and with a shoe shop down below, mm. which is the best in the Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> and 
invites everyone from Melbourne to come, including the uh, the top people of Tour Act, through to everyone. And they all his, do. And they all do. And that's the fantasy because <laughs> in reality it might not happen. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, now. The book is available on, yes. on ebooks. Yes, on Amazon, mm. and it's also at readings and, and, and bookshops, and yeah. also my bookshop, Hawksburn. Yeah. Oh, right, okay. And now, what what else have you got in in the pipeline? Have you got another one of these satirical well, stories I, coming up? I'm, I'm thinking of writing one about Parkville, where I'm living now. All oh, right, it's yeah. called the Parkville Crackpot. <laughs> <laughs> My sister and husband lived in Parkville for quite a while, so I know a bit about Parkville as well. <laughs> so you picked the good suburbs. Yeah. 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 And so is that in the process now? Or well, I'm researching it researching at the moment. Because yeah. writing books takes a hell of a yeah, lot of research. Yeah, it took me three years to write the novella and illustrate it myself. Mm-hmm. So it, it took a lot, a lot of work. Yes, I love, I love the way that there's, yeah. there's shoes at the end yeah. of every chapter. <laughs> and it's, it's very cleverly done. Uh, Rosemary, thank you very much for coming in to telling us about your wonderful little novella. My it's pleasure. called the Turak Jackpot. Jackpot. Yes, I was going to say Toff. No, I can't say Turak Toff. It's the Turak Jackpot. And, it, and it's a very, very clever little book. And, and it does have this wonderful moral finish to it, which is yeah. great. Rosemary, I, I enjoyed the name of the book to begin with because <laughs> right. so often we refer to the residents of 3142 as those with Turak tractors. <laughs> yeah. You know, though they are not really yeah. farmers, they're not really on the <laughs> land, but they drive around in their super gleaming black four-wheel drive vehicle and they have the airs and graces but none of the experience. <laughs> but here we have Bert with the experience of his... Uh, early life being a shoe salesman and once again sort of uh, lording over the the rich people <laughs> with his real life experiences yeah well that's right no bert is uh, based as i said on men i met at Florsheim shoe shop who were really hard working um aussie battlers um italian people who were working their way up mm. the social pile and working very hard and they're wonderful people to work with and to meet so yeah your little novella showed that the and it replicates real life that there is a stratified society in australia we're not all as good as a master there are the rich and the poor and they know some of them know their place and sometimes uh, uh, the boundaries can't be broken but on the other hand, I think we have quite a mobile society that if you, like Lindsay Fox, started off as a truck driver and he became a very a well-to-do Turak prince, in inverted commas, and, you know, he's really made it. And I think there is a certain level of mobility in our society. If you have innovation and um, really hard work, you can have success. There's a lot of people like that that, that do make the, that success by a lot of hard work and a lot of luck. Yeah. Luck, luck comes into a lot of the way mm. people's lives turn out, of course. Some mm. people don't have any luck at all in their lives, and, and, and it's just amazing how just that one or two people will just have that snap of luck, and, and they're off. They're gone. Absolutely. Absolutely. We shouldn't recognise any people, any real people in your novella? Oh, no. There's, I have mentioned a few people from Turak who are quite, are quite well known in Melbourne society, including Solomon Liu and Lindsay Fox. That's right. Yeah. But I haven't defamed them in any way. <gasps> no, they're, they're, they're people that live in Turak. Yeah, they that's, are. That's it. Yeah. That's it. So they're Turak can, princes. That's right. My word, they are. <laughs> a lot, lot more of a prince than I am. <laughs> Thank you, Rosemary. We look forward to uh, getting some feedback 
from the the real critics of 3142 if they can see themselves. I do have one small request. Don't move to Blackburn. (laughs) (laughs) We want to keep our secrets. (laughs) Okay, once again, thank you very much for coming in, Rosemary. It's been a great pleasure to meet you. And now I know all about the book and why you wrote it. I think it's lovely. And good luck with the new one about Parkville. Okay, thank you, Gordon. That's lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bringing a little joy to your life. Joy 94.9. You're with Gordon, Phil and Chris. Been there, done that on Joy 94.9. And if you'd like to listen to this show or any of our earlier shows, don't forget that we, in fact, have about one and a half years of shows podcast. Oh, my God. I know, I know. Our our, time has flown. Our other team member who never comes on microphone is Julia. Mm -hmm. And she takes our program and snips it out, takes the music out and takes out the sponsorship announcements and other things and then presents it all nicely packaged up in a podcast form. So there's about 40 minutes of podcast each show available for playing through your computer or your smartphone. Do you mean to say that Julia does the snip? In an audio sense. <laughs> now, you can hear our podcast or download it from the Joy website, or you can go to iTunes All right. and listen to us through your iTunes account. And right. there you can rate and review us. Oh. And oh. then we get feedback from our bosses here. Do we? Yes, we do. Oh, it's actually a top, is it top 10 podcast? Is a, a sheet that goes around All right. showing how many Call downloads how many downloads people have done right. we so haven't scored it yet we, we've got to get on that list <laughs> <laughs> please 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 listen <laughs> but if you don't want to do that you can email us at been there at joy.org.au and we'll pay attention to your comments mm. and and compliments uh, and, yes. and, and requests something like that as well be nice thank you <laughs> uh, 12th of the 4th again tomorrow 12th of april 2017 Someone's having a birthday along with our member number one, John Oliver. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Magda Zemanski. Yes. She was born Zemanski. in 1961. I don't think people people should have said that because ladies don't like to have their ages revealed. It's not only ladies. Oh, no. Okay. How old are you? No. <laughs> <laughs> but so you need a calculator to actually get the age. Yes, that's We've right. We've just said the date of birth. Yes, that's and right. And when I say we, I mean Chris. Yes, that's now, right. Now, we love Magda. She was a little bit late coming out as well, just like Barry Manilow was. Mm. But Magda had created her own world using characters in TV sitcoms you know, like Kath and Kim and uh, in films where she was in with Babe and Babe Pig in the City. Um, she was Esme Hoggett in those two films. Yes. But in uh, Kath and Kim, she played Sharon Streslecki. Now, there's a... You know who Streslecki was, don't you? Well, he, he was, was a fellow a, that named Mount Kosciuszko. Kosciuszko, indeed. He was a Polish, Polish explorer. explorer in Australia. And, of and he his idol was Senor uh, Kosciuszko. Kosciuszko. And, of course, Magda's parentage, she's, her father was Polish, so that's why the name Zabanski, of course. And, and, and so it puts her in line with the Streslecki name, which is very clever of her. It is. Mm. It is. Mm. Uh, and the other thing is that her mother was Scottish. Irish and, Scotch. And that's why um, Magda, in some of her characters, can come out with the broadest of 
of northern accents. That's right. She's very good on accents, actually, Magda. She can do quite a few different ones. Very we, clever. We we love her. Um, and she's actually been... I think she was in Brand New Day, the... That's right, she the was. The road. That's right. The yep, film. Yep, yep. With Ernie Dingo and the rest of them. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it, it, that was a, it's a great show, that, Brand New Day. It was, a, it was a live show to start with, and then they put it onto the film. So, yeah, it went worldwide then, of course. I, I think Magda was so far out that she didn't really need to tell the rest of the world. But I think as part of her own acceptance of her gayness, she did uh, confirm rather after the fact that she was gay. I think it's it's actually part of your mental health regime yeah. to come out publicly, to actually say the words out loud. But I, but I liked her statement when she said, if there was a tablet that you could, that could cure gayness, I wouldn't take it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good on you, Magda. Neither would we. <laughs> well, you don't want to be someone else, do you? No. Just because someone else thinks you should be. Yeah. Well, that's right. I'm me. That's it. I'm not me. I'm you. No, you're I'm not you. I'm me. Yeah, you and me. I'm, I'm not sure who I am. What's that thing I love me? I think I'm grand after sitting and hold my hand. When I get fresh with my embrace, I turn around and slap my face. Gordon uh, comes moving, out with a lot of weird I was, things. I was going to say, moving right along. <laughs> At a great rate of knots. Yes. There's words. But you said mentioned something about at the beginning of the show about words. Well. And that was a little rhyme. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Have you copyrighted those? No, I didn't. Co- I don't know where but, I learned that. I learned that well, many well, years ago as a child. I, 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 the first <clears throat> copyright law was passed on the 10th of April, 1710. Yes, that was in, passed by the Houses of Parliament in Britain. Yeah. Yeah, they, they were the first to recognise the fact that people that wrote things should be uh, kept... It should be kept in their possession sort of thing. Mm. Well, until then, I presume there wasn't a need for such a law. Well, they didn't have printed books in those days, did they? No, well, it was in the era, probably a little bit later, when the Gutenberg Press started printing Bibles, because Mm. until then, all the Bibles had been handwritten in the monasteries by the monks. That's right. And they were huge. Talk about a small tablet. No, they were huge. You need a pack horse to put the Bible on. But they were coloured and they were beautifully engraved and all the rest of it. So, and, and, that, and they went blind doing it. And, and But they were meant to be read out by the priest in the church mm. in Latin. Latin, that's right. So that the peasants couldn't understand. And, of course, there was no other copies around. So they couldn't pick up for themselves and have a read and have an interpretation they had to rely on the spoken word rather than the written word. Mm-hmm. But once the printing press came in, well, the genie was well and truly out of the bottle. Books became common property. Well, they didn't become in, common in, property. Yeah, yeah, in libraries, and you could mm. read them in libraries. Mm-hmm. That's an old-fashioned concept I know these days, but, but uh, you know, some of the, the big bookshops in the world actually lend out their books via your... Your, your tablet. But the um, the cost of printing books in those days was so enormous that they were, they only ever went to people that could afford to buy them or to places like, you say, libraries. And if you've ever been to Oxford to go to the Bodleian Library, it's filled with absolutely amazing books. I was there one year and they've got a huge, I think it's, a, I forget what it, what it was, but it was chained to the desk so nobody could move it. It was at these bloody great big chains. But would there be many books from this era, like the 1710 era, mm-hmm. that would still exist today? Yeah, they are in the, in the Bodleian Library. And, and, and so how are they preserved? They well, Obviously not 
well, open you, air. Well, they 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 were written on parchment actually. A, a, yeah, a lot not not on paper. A lot of them not on paper. They're in parchment or on skin. Hmm. Mm. I'd hate to be the the boy in the office the day they needed more skin. <laughs> Where's Jimmy? <laughs> I need another slice of. <laughs> Need another pig done, yeah. <laughs> but when they when they were able to print the Bible, of course, and they then when they bought the King James version of the Bible, um, people were able to start to read the Bible, hmm. and it made the um, it made what the priest was saying or the minister was saying a little bit more relevant because yeah. they could read it and knew what the priest was talking about, and it was in their own local place talk, mm. not only English in England mm. but on the continent in local languages there as like well, German and Dutch, and yeah. All the rest of it, yeah. And so the 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 role of the church was lessened immediately by that, and perhaps in a good way because they had control of the message before then, and of course that was uh, the interpretations were flavoured by their own concepts but the, or, or but prejudice. the and prejudices yes but the and the only people that really learnt to read were the upper class of person yeah. it wasn't just the ordinary people that were walking the street they knew how to speak but they didn't know how to write and and it was a long time before they even knew how to write their own names mm. ironically we're getting back to that stage now yes well it's well look at the whole joy thing. over the weekend and there's a lot of teachers who can't read and write. That's exactly yeah. right, yeah. yeah. Someone who actually spoke some words that carried so much meaning was the ill-fated explorer Lawrence Oates. Very this was famous the exploration man. of the Antarctic in on the March 17th, 1912, where the expedition had reached a point where they couldn't move from where they'd got to. That's right. They were stuck and they started considering their futures. Mm. And he, Lawrence Oates, said, consider the consummate British sacrificial hero because as he felt he was holding the party back, he departed their shelter one morning uttering the famous words, I am just going outside and I may be some time. Mm. And he never came back. He froze to death so that they would have enough food for themselves to sort of yeah. uh, to, to survive. Yeah, he sacrificed so his he life. Could have it. hung around to be barbecued. Mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> or do they only do that after plane crashes? Yes. Yeah, they're yeah. only 20 kilometres short of uh, where there was a substantial supply of tucker and That's everything. Right. But they didn't know how to get there. They're already weakened. And he said, right, OK, I'll um, go out. And the Eskimos do that to uh, well, the, the oldies in the Eskimo lands are reputed to say, well, the oldies, they get that nod outside, shut the door go. behind you, yep. bang. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the, the Eskimos in the future will be able to climb up the palm tree. That's right, yes. Because yes. it's on its way. Yeah. <laughs> but don't tell anybody that there's climate change. Oh, no, it's not no, changing. No, not changing. Well, not changing. you wouldn't know it from here in Melbourne over the past weekend, that's for sure. No, we've got plenty of climate, <laughs> and it's all happening. Well, if Samantha Fox had been around, he might have actually, rather than saying those words, he might have used the, the name of her song, Nothing's Gonna Stop Me Now, here on Joy. Great shows, great topics, great radio. Joy 94.9. You're with Phil, Chris and Gordon. Been there, done that on Joy 94.9. Mm. 
And we're talking about stuff. stuff. We're talking. Yes, we we uh, we managed to fill our show with stuff. <laughs> we stuff our show with filler. It was uh, <laughs> very sad early in the week to hear about the passing of John Clark. Yes, Clark and Door, Brian Door, uh, the satirical voice. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do with my Thursday nights from now on because at five to seven on every Thursday night, I would religiously sit down to watch. Right, Clark and draw and, and just ABC. roar with laughter. They were so clever. Because they took reality and applied it to unreal circumstances. But the best part about it is that they used the actual person, like either the Prime Minister or the, the, the opposition deputy leader or the, what have you, hmm. and they would, even without makeup or anything, they would ask the questions. You actually were so clever that you would think that he was actually asking the person that they'd named the questions. It was and, such and it wasn't satire. the mannerisms that they'd adopted. It was a political line, mm. but it was said in such a way with a, a, a sneer in the voice. Yes. But they made no attempt to imitate no, the no. subject. No. He, he would sit there deadpan yes. as himself, talking like to his own voice, yeah. and talking to somebody in their own someone else. Yeah, yeah. It was just amazing stuff. Someone else who does pretty good interviews, having a birthday round about this time, Graham Norton, born on the 4th of April, 1963. TV talk show host. He... Out and proud. Out... How? Is he? Is he? Oh, yes. Just a little. <laughs> I call him confident. <laughs> exactly. And someone else who's actually is... Well, why won't I say celebrated, but on the 4th of the 4th, 1995, same day, but a few years later, Kenny Everett, the UK actor, born he, in 1944. Yeah, Kenny Everett was He was very clever. He was, but once again, um, people in the public eye, and either you had the confidence or you didn't have the confidence to come out uh, in the public sense. Yeah, but it, it, it happens to a lot of um, these star people that they, they can't come out because they're worried about their future, but when they do come out, everything's fine. Yeah. Everybody, everybody accepts it. You know, they just say, okay, well, we, when, we've known when, for years. That's right. Well, when you're young, you actually don't know what's the other side of the closet door, whereas these guys have gone through the door, they've actually realised that there's plenty of support in the community generally for them. Kenny Everett had a lot of power on radio, to the point where he broke the Queen song Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, no yeah. other radio would touch it because it was so long. A note with Kenny Everett that the power he had at his peak. He broke Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody on radio. I believe he played it seven times in a row, and it's six or seven minutes long. I've read that somewhere, Philip. Yeah, and, how he did that? Because radio wouldn't touch it. No, because it was it was like an operetta, and it just ran too long for commercial radio. Well, he turned it into a hit. And the rest is history. Mm. But I guess more trivia with Mr. Everett. He was the subject of the song Video Killed the Radio Star right. by Buggles. Because when MTV came along, it virtually killed his radio career specifically. And when MTV started, the first song ever played in the US was Video Killed the Radio Star. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. And he was, oh, dear. A, but he was a very clever man, Kenny Everett. He really was. And he had a television show, didn't he? Didn't Kenny Everett have a television well, yeah, I don't recall seeing it. No, but I'm very young. Oh, <laughs> I keep saying that until yeah, I believe yeah. it. But aren't you out of nappies yet? 
I'm working my way back to them. Oh. <laughs> it's this, this new juice regime I'm on. <laughs> now, those guys, Kenny Everett and Graham Norton, have so much confidence. If you are scared of what's on the other side of the closet door, you need some support. And one way, locally, some gay kids have been getting this confidence is in a safe space for LGBTI teens and their fun night with their queer formal dance and that was held last week in the St Kilda Town Hall. And we're talking about Minus 18. We are course. indeed. Yes. They sponsored this thing. Yes. And they had a wonderful time apparently. At 550 Seth. teenage yeah, attendees. Yeah, yeah. don't know whether they'd be all part of our community. There could have been some straight mates and that sort well, of thing with them. that's right. You straight know. mates, allies. Mm, exactly. Mm, well, they're part of their community as well and they need those gay kids in the schoolyard or in university need to surround themselves with people who can interpose if things get heavy minus 18 themselves hope that one day they become redundant so that they don't have to have lgbti specific events right and you should just be able to go to your school formal and be whoever you are and of course, the the reason that they're still getting hassled is because everybody else in the school has been educated or been made aware and recognise the role of GLBTI folk at schools. But then there's the bullies who won't have a bar of that message, hmm. and they're still around in schools. But a lot of lot of bullies have internalised homophobia. Oh, precisely. You know they. They can often turn out to be gay themselves, but they don't want to be, so they they pretend they're this masculine butch person that mm. can go around belting up the little ones. Well, although there was 550 LGBTI teens and friends, there were some adults there, and they were wearing angel wings, mm-hmm. and they were posted outside the venue so that as the kids were arriving, if there's anybody going to create trouble, well, the angels were there to stand up for them. It's good to have the angels. Recently in Holland, in the Netherlands, there was a bit of street aggravation. A couple of gay men were walking home on Sunday morning after Saturday night, and these two guys were set upon by a group of teenagers. The attitude of the ordinary Dutch person in the street was that this was a horrible event to have occurred and they actually have come out in support of these two guys who are only holding hands Mm. um, and they, the rest of the populace, have decided, okay, we'll make a statement, we'll walk around holding hands as well and see if those teenagers can get used to the concept. So they've got all these straight men walking around holding hands so yeah. now they can they, 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 there's no thing about it but i had a, a strange thing happen to me many many years ago i m- had met this an asian guy in in a pub and he hadn't had any dinner and he wanted to have some dinner so i said look the only place i could i know is chinatown so i said look come around well i'll take you around to chinatown we'll have a meal together and so as we were walking up um, Swanson Street he grabbed hold of my hand and so we were walking up Swanson Street holding hands this is about 1969 70 or something or other well the people of Melbourne were walking off the street off the off the footpath onto the roadway because there's these two men walking up the, walking up Swanson Street holding hands and of course in Asia the people hold hands guys hold hands they're just yeah. friends it's just a friendly gesture they're good mates or something or other so yeah so we had we had the dinner and then he didn't know how to get back to his ship so i found a cab for him and uh, he went i'm so glad ship. you didn't call him a cab i didn't you call him cab. a cab even in those days it was 
the, the people of Melbourne sort of got a bit thing, but they didn't belt us up. They so, just stepped aside into the gutter so they didn't have to come anywhere near us. So oh, it's is, contagious, you realise. Uh, we were contagious. Oh, God, yes. It's yeah. just confirmation that you've been picking up sailors since the 1960s. Oh, yes. <laughs> Do you mind? Yes. <laughs> Well, I think that's about enough for this show. (laughs) We'll we'll catch up with you next week and we'll have another selection of interesting and boring and quirky little stories. We're the QI of radio. Are we quite interesting? Quite interesting of radio. I hope we are. But we don't ask questions. We just tell people what they want to know or we think they need to know. But that's fun. And (laughs) Phil, just for you as we go out, here's the Buggles. Yay. Oh, yes. Music to my ears. It is. So until next week, it's bye. Bye for me, Gordon. Bye for me and Buggles. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with Joy. Joy.